You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Uh, So I was always one of those weird kids growing up. One of those weird kids that actually enjoyed going to school. How many of you are weirdos like me that actually enjoyed going to school? Yeah, see, that's why we're weird, because there are very few of us. But I enjoyed a variety of different subjects. I loved math. I loved physics. I, did, I struggled with reading. So that was one of the things that I had to learn to work around. Sometimes I would listen to audiobooks. Sometimes mommy would read to me, uh, even in high school. Um, I did make the mistake of falling asleep one time while she was reading to me. That, I won't ever make that mistake again. Uh, but because I could, I learned through hearing rather than reading. But there was one area in school that I could never figure out. One area that no matter how basically my teachers would teach it to me and talk about the principles, no matter what, I just couldn't get it. It was my Achilles heel. What were some of those areas for you that you just couldn't ever figure out in school? Girls? I heard, I, right, I don't know who said that, but I heard girls right away. That was fantastic. Uh, all right, we can't top that. So, um, for me... It, it was also girls. Um, no, uh, for me though, it was poetry, right? How many of you just don't get poetry, right? There are a few of us out there. I do not understand poetry, still to this day. I, I try, I continually fail. My brain just doesn't get it. And so that's why as much as I love music, as much as I love listening to music, playing music, as, long, as much as I love singing songs, the words don't speak to me as much as they do for other people, right? Because lyrics and music are, are, are poetry. So for me personally, I love, I love to sing hymns. I love singing the different parts in the hymns. I love uh, when I'm able to gather together. I, we were in um, St. Louis for, uh, with, with Greg uh, a couple, uh, about a month ago in his orientation. I was just reminded of what it's like to sing with a bunch of men who like have been brought up singing and it just was like this, it was just beautiful and I love it. But unless I really, unless I'm really extra focused and have spent time before worship actually studying the words of a hymn, after I finish singing that hymn, I can't tell you what it's about a lot of times. I just, I just can't tell you what it's about because my brain doesn't work that way. So for me, and again, this is personal, the, the contemporary music that plays the same phrase 500 times, that's what I need, right? Because I need to, to finish that song and go, oh, even so come, Lord Jesus come, right? We will wait for you. I got it. I got those two phrases. That's the only thing that's sticking with me, right? I need that. Now, again, everybody's different, but that's what I need when it comes to music. So for me, because of my struggle with poetry, I often have a really hard time with the book of Psalms. I often have a really hard time understanding what the Psalms are actually saying to me and what the psalmists is trying to say. It's hard for me to understand, which makes it even harder for me to preach. 
right? I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I've chosen to preach on the Psalms. But that's what we're doing today, right? We're looking at Psalm 27, thanks in great part to commentaries and to others that I can dive into who will say very bluntly, hey, this is what it's about. This is what it's saying. So today you're going to get a lot of other people talking through me uh, because I just, I can't read the psalm and go, oh, that's what it's saying. But this psalm, Psalm 27, it, it really runs the gambit of emotions. I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles to, to Psalm 27. Uh, and if you're, using, uh, if you're using one of those pew Bibles, it's on page 460. Uh, but, but, but we're going to be going through that entire psalm today. And I'd just love for you to have that open in front of you. But we hear Psalm chapter 27, starting with verse 1, where David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right, as David starts to write this psalm, he is speaking from a place of absolute confidence. Absolute confidence in a very personal God, right? Not confidence in some being who's out there that started this earth and just kind of let it do its own thing, but absolute confidence in a very personal God. Again, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right? And so as, as David is writing this song, this poem, this, this psalm, he's writing his feelings, but he's writing them in a way that that he intends for you to connect with so that you could say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So that you could say, whom shall I fear? You could say, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right, this God that, that David wrote about thousands of years ago, this God is for you. This God is for me. This is a personal God. And so in these first three verses, we see this great boldness from David. Again, starting with verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And when evildoers assail me to, to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Right? There's great confidence in David with this personal God, this one that he knows very deeply and very personally. But then in verse 4, we start to see a change in his tone. Rather than toughing it out, right, where there's an army encamping against him, war rising against him, rather than toughing it out in the midst of his foes, David retreats to the safety of the house of the Lord. He says, one thing that I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock so that no one can get to me, right? And now my head shall be lifted up and above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So here we see that David has been rescued from the dangers that are surrounding me, and he's been placed securely out of reach to dwell in the house of the Lord, where he will 
Behold the beauty of the Lord. He will joyfully offer sacrifices and he will fill God's house with songs. So still, even though he, he's not in the midst of these enemies anymore, even though he, he, he's retreated a bit, still here, David is very confident that this God is for me, for him, for you. And he's wholly devoted to this personal God. Nothing comes between them. No distractions of the world, no assaults of the enemy, or no uncertainty of God's intent. But then again, we start to see another change in tone, and it starts at verse 7 and kind of reaches its peak at verse 9. So here again, how David continues along this path where he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Right, so, so having just talked about making the melody in the house of the Lord, the, David breaks forth with this anxious cry saying, hey, don't, don't hide your face from me. And then this, this desperation ratchets up. As he says, do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Right? All of a sudden, it's though, as though David becomes incredibly anxious, as though his enemies are surrounding him, and he needs this God to, to remember his promises. Don't forget what we just talked about a few verses ago. Don't forget what I was just saying. Remember me, O Lord. And then he continues with this, with this sense of anxiety, maybe a not not, not quite such that confidence because he's not seeing it in front of him. So we, we've, we continue with verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. So we're starting to hear kind of a, a crack, maybe, in, in David. But contrast this with, with verses 2 and 3 that we read just a little bit ago, that he, that he spoke just a little bit ago, when he says, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. The beauty of the Psalms is that they are faith in real life. Right? This is where David or, or another psalmist can wrestle out loud knowing the promise, but then not being able to see the promise unfolding before them. Right? How often in your life, whether it's been in a wilderness of your life or when it's been a good time of your life, how often have you known the promises of God but wondered why you're unable to see them? Okay, why? Right? How, how often do we ask that question, why? Why is this happening? God, I know that you said you'd take care of me, and I trust that, but it's hard to see right now. I'd love to see it. Can you be obvious to me? Right? How often has that happened? Well, last week, Vicar helped us. I, I just love that. I love calling him Vicar. It's best if you kind of say it in an accent, you call him Vicar. Uh, but last week, Vicar helped us consider how we connect with God in the wildernesses of our lives. And he reminded us of, of my encouragement to you from two weeks ago, 
right? Two ways that we can connect with God in the midst of our wildernesses. Do you remember what those two ways are? They're, they're two li- three-word phrases. Listen to him and talk to him. All right, listen to him and talk to him. Well, today, David gives us a third way to respond in our wildernesses. Take a look at these last two verses of, of Psalm 27, where he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then what does he say? What are these next few words? Wait for the Lord. Right? Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Right? Listen to him. Talk to him. And wait for him. Right now in this time period between when Jesus came to this earth and whenever Jesus returns, we're in what's called the now and the not yet. Right? When Jesus came on this earth, when Jesus lived a perfect life that you and I are unable to live, when Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins, this now and this not yet began. Right? This now and this not yet where we, we see prophecies being fulfilled, but not quite yet fully fulfilled where we see promises being kept, but yet we're still waiting for a time where they will be fully completed. Right? In his death and resurrection, Jesus defeated sin and the devil, but yet we still live in a world where there's sin. In his death and resurrection, Jesus destroyed death, but there's still death here on this earth. Right? We're in this now and it's not yet, where we see the promises of God. We know that they're there. We know that he has fulfilled them, but we're waiting for this final fulfillment. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this. You know, what is it that we're waiting for? Paul says this. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable puts on the imperishable, and when this mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the the phrase that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Well, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we wait for. We wait for the perishable to put on the imperishable. We wait for the the mortal to put on immortality. We wait for Jesus to destroy death once and for all the now and the not yet, right? In his death and resurrection, Jesus destroyed death. But we wait. We wait for Jesus to return and make all things new when that perishable will put on the imperishable, when, when the mortal will put on immortality, when Jesus will destroy death for all eternity, right? Jesus has destroyed death now, and, but he has not yet destroyed death for all eternity, the now and the not yet. Similarly, in, in your baptism, you were given eternal life, 
But it's not until Jesus returns that, that you and all those who have faith in Jesus, whether dead or alive, will, will be raised up to new life, will be given that new and perfect body and soul united for all eternity on a new and perfect creation that is no longer subject to sin, where there's no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears, and no more death. You have that now, and yet you're waiting for the final fulfillment. When you're in the midst of a wilderness, whether you're in the midst of that wilderness now, whether you just came out of a wilderness, or whether you're on your way into a wilderness, listen to the advice of the psalmist. Listen to David, you know, and listen to Jesus, right? Listen to him, talk to him, and wait for him, because he will deliver you. He might deliver you today from your enemies, or maybe tomorrow, or maybe next year. He might deliver you from your enemies here on this earth while you're living on this earth, or, or he might not. But know this, Jesus will deliver you. It may be now, it may be not yet, but he will deliver you. Listen to him, talk to him, and wait for him. Amen.